This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Mia Entertainment, it's AMI's on air community, and everyone's invited. Well, it's a Monday, and that means we're back for another week with you, ladies and gentlemen. We're here from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Kelly and Ramya. Ramya's at the studio in Toronto. Ram, Hello. good day to you. Good day. Happy Monday. And uh, it's been a while since I've been on the show, so welcome back to me. Where were you? Were you not here Friday? No, or, or no, Thursday. Artie was here Friday and oh, Thursday. Geez. And then you took another day so off at some missed, point last I can week. Tell, clearly. <laughs> Well, you know what, Hardy and I are figuring out, uh, what were you doing, pretending to be sick? What really it's, you were you You know what doing? it is? It's because I was there. Like, I was there at the meetings and there throughout the day with you guys. Yeah, but you do that so nobody makes any mistakes because you have it in your head. No. They may add that no, no, to my I've sick days. I'm not losing control. Oh, sick days and stuff? No, that's not what it is. It's I really you push don't all control. When, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, welcome back to Thanks. the show part of things Thanks. for a couple of days or so. Um, I'm here at the Home Studio London, Ontario, and I was thinking about chairs, how, you know, we've gone through through life when you work at a workplace, what is the best ergonomic chair? And what do we individually feel is the kind of chair we're most comfortable in? Because that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best ergonomic chair for our body. It may be something different. I mean, ideally, have a mix. Maybe you're lucky enough to have a stand-up desk and you can incorporate that, or you have that comfortable chair, or at least the ability to jump up, run around, and you make sure you incorporate that in your day. Could you pick out, Rami, if there was five chairs, you're going out to buy an office chair for home use, could you pick out the one that you know lends itself to you, makes you comfortable, but is also good for your back and, and, and your body? Uh maybe better than I could before the pandemic because, you know, we just sat in whatever chairs we had. And then through the pandemic, it was like, my goodness, you could really tell what chairs were killing you. Um, but probably not to the extent that I could pick a mattress that was good for my back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. chairs I don't know too well. And also, it's not just about knowing the chairs, but it's about knowing what you're doing is bad habits. And I think that right. we all have very bad posture habits or arm habits or wrist habits and we're not necessarily thinking like these are the things we need to improve in ourselves so this chair should help me do that i couldn't do it i mean i think i've learned more by far as you said than i knew you know five ten years ago for yeah. sure still don't think i could go around to a place uh, you know an office supplies and say yeah yeah no this is the kind i would base it on oh i like that that's wide enough that's comfortable enough looking here in the store, but who knows in six months. Wow. Uh, folks, let's take a look at what we've got coming up on our program today. Mark Aflala will be joining us. Of course, he's from Access Tech Live. He'll be joining us to recap the uh, Consumer Electronics Show and all the fun and random gadgets that piqued his interest. On our orientation and a mobility chat, Mark Rankin is going to be talking about fall prevention and risks associated with the winter weather. We got into a little bit last week when Stephen was walking his dog and we were talking about that at the top of his uh, report, his community reporter report. And also on the show, Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin will be introducing us to this year's pro bono uh, law student with us, Ashini Paris. We'll get into that conversation in hour two of the program. Please stick around. Lots of good conversation ahead. 
Okay, let's talk about walking it back. Let's talk about saying we're going to make a change in what we do. And then after people get upset, you walk it back. Loblaws says it's reversing course on its decision to reduce its discounts on grocery items nearing expiry. Canada's largest grocery retailer drew public anger this week after it decided that last day sale items would be marked down by 30% instead of between 30 and 50%. The company confirmed it's reverting back to its previous discounting practice after listening to feedback from customers and colleagues. It said in an email that customers can expect to see 50% off stickers return in the next few weeks. Canada's biggest grocers have been under scrutiny from the public and governmental like as shoppers continue to grapple with rising food prices. Michelle said again, the Canadian press. Hear that? Mm. Did we finally find the way? Now, we talk on this show about the prices. Last week, grocery prices were a big topic on our show. We know they're going to go up a little bit more, plateau for a while. Things will never return to any semblance. Even last month's prices will never be seen again. They never walk things back until we stop buying something and out of desperation they do. However, um, mm -hmm. have we found the one way consumer can hit back? Crying about food, which we are very conscious of the food waste issue out there that sits on shelves, that stores go out to the back and just simply have to throw because we're not buying it. You try this stunt that, oh yeah, 30% off. What? Yeah. Now we may have that bargaining chip or as consumers, some choice to get them to say, no, you're at 50%. Let's never go back to 30. Like we know you'll never lower the price. Let's never go back. I think wow. that we, we're all suckers for good deals, right? And whether or not right. you're checking flyers and doing all this stuff actively, you're still probably going to see deals like this when you're browsing and think, ooh. And I'm not sure if it's more of like a, a psychological trick than anything else, but yeah, yeah, we'd fall for it. Well, with food expiring and you know hey you guys oh, and the have best the before choice of selling such. it to me mm -hmm. and you know yeah give it out cheaper give it a, and when you sit there and say well we were giving it back at 50 50 but now we're going to go only down to marking it down to 30 percent off and we scream and you react boy folks think about it it's our way to get a little bit of what we might deem as some of that control that we certainly lose every day buying the stuff fresher if we can find it fresh but knowing those Upper, up and up and up prices are going to be yeah. there. We step aside for a couple of moments, and when we return, Michael Babcock talks to Mike Calvo from Numa Solutions to chat about the RIM offer for BITS members. We'll do that in two minutes. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Forever checking us out around the world. We appreciate you being with us here. It's Kelly and Ramya. Maybe you're listening in through TuneIn Radio or OO Tunes or the Radio Player Canada app via AMI-audio. However you've got us, whatever you make time for us, we appreciate it. We appreciate you hanging out for the next couple hours as we get started. Ramya is at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald at the home studio in London, Ontario. Well, we're looking forward to a really special Tech Talk today with a guest and another guest. Let's bring on Michael Babcock. App news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. 
Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Rumi. Michael, we've got a lot of learning to do today about some products, so I'm going to hand things over to you. Yeah, appreciate it, Rumya. I cannot talk today, apparently. <laughs> That's a good way to start out a Monday. How are the two of you guys today? Doing well, thank you. Very good. Well, I appreciate it as my uh, headphone starts to uh, fall out. I am joined today by a guest that we have not heard on Kelly and Rummy, I don't think. His name is Mike Calvo, and Mike is the founder of Numa Solutions. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Hey, how is everybody? We're all doing great. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and uh, talk to the Kelly and Romeo audience about what Numa Solution is and uh, a little bit specifically about RIM. So if you don't mind, Mike, can you jump in real quick and give us a quick overview of what is RIM? Sure. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank you all for an amazing Christmas show with the Double Tap people. That was absolutely hilarious. That was fun. Thank you. That was so fun. Yeah, (laughs) you guys are awesome. It was my first introduction to you as a team and just the synergy. And I absolutely love what AMI is doing and keep it up. Uh, I I, I love this. Thanks, Mike. For us at uh, at Numa Solutions, our motto is uh, to make the world a more accessible place. We provide accessible cloud solutions, which basically means that we use the cloud to bring you the solutions to you. Um, our flagship product, what is our flagship product? Well, <laughs> the one we call our <laughs> flagship product right now, I guess flagship is the one that sells the most, right? So the one that's selling the most right now is Remote Incident Manager or RIM. And the real easy way to think about it is if you've ever used anything like Team Viewer or QuickDesk or any of that stuff, um, remote support to your computer, well, that's what that's what RIM does, but RIM is accessible. Anybody who's used those things on their PC uh, knows that if you're using assistive technology, it's a challenge. Uh, if you're visually impaired and trying to provide support to a person that doesn't uh, require assistive technology, then you have to go through the problem of disclosing your visual disability and saying, hey, can you load the screen reader onto your machine or whatever, if they're going to even do that. Uh, RIM gets takes all that away. We allow you to remotely control someone's computer, whether it be a Mac or a PC, and whether they are running assistive technology like JAWS or Windows, uh, Windows wow, I've dated myself there, JAWS <laughs> or, or uh, wow, or voiceover or whatever. Uh, whatever it is that they're running accessible, you can you can run it, or you don't. They don't have to be running anything at all. You can run what we call our remote accessibility module, and the other side doesn't even know that you're dealing with a visually impaired tech. So it it allows you to not have your visual impairment to kind of be the hey, blind person doing support, so we can start a conversation about what it's like to do support as a blind person. Uh, we do provide. Uh, it's always free to receive help with RIM. So everybody who, who needs to be, uh, who's a target or, uh, is, uh, is free. And when it comes to being a controller, uh, we give you half an hour a day for free of the service. And the cool thing about RIM is when you connect to somebody, you can actually establish a voice conversation with them. So you don't need anything. You don't need a phone line. You don't need any, just 
control their machine from afar. Uh, they can actually set it up to where you can control their machine when they're not there. Uh, a bunch of different features. But the, the cool thing is that you get it for half an hour for free. And then if you're a Bits member, shh, don't tell anybody, you get an additional half hour for free. And... Yeah. And, and and it doesn't mean like you get a half hour and you start it and you lose it. It's literally down to the second. So if you use, you know, half uh, 20 minutes here and you have another 10 minutes and use two minutes over there and three minutes over here, it's it's done and it, and it works. You know, that and, and it, 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 it gives you a full half hour instead of, you know, cheating you anywhere. Even if you buy one of our packages. So for example, if you buy, uh, what we call an incident pass or or uh, or a day pass. We add your free time into it. So you basically never lose that free time. That makes sense. So that's my very long and winded elevator pitch for, uh, you can tell I haven't done this for a minute, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. Now, now let's go back a little bit though, because uh, sure. REM is not new, is it? No, actually, Rim Rim was released fifteen about seventeen years ago, two thousand seven, maybe something like that, two thousand five, in there. Um, my memory doesn't serve me right exactly. And it was under the the previous company I, I ran named Serotech. It was a great product. It had uh, a lot of support. And when we inherited various Serotech uh, products here at Numa. Uh, my co-founder, Matt Campbell, and I, we said, you know, RIM has always been near and dear to our hearts. What happens if we kind of revitalize it? And oh, goodness, when we started doing the the remote thing and people started getting a hold of the latency and how little it was and just how it connected when you compare it to things like Tandem and whatnot, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. So it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's the, the old has become new again. And it, it works really nice, um, especially on the Mac. I will say the RIM application has been the best experience when it comes to allowing the permissions that Mac OS needs. And I really appreciate how you guys went out of your way to outline exactly what keystrokes to press in order to acknowledge those permissions because they're uh, an evil pain that we all have to give access Dude, to. Dude, it's the bane of my freaking existence. Don't get me started. It is a challenge, um, but we are the only accessible remote solution also on, on Mac, to my knowledge. I mean, I guess, you know, there, you can kind of sort of use other things, but when it comes to full Mac to Mac, PC to Mac, Mac to PC, any of that, we're the only solution available out there right now. Yeah, and I have used, for those who are unaware, RIM to uh, teach Reaper remotely. And I've, I've heard a lot of people doing this, where you can just remote into the computer with someone and hear their audio. And because you can pass that audio through, it makes it a, a very pleasant experience. Um, you briefly went over it, but who would you say would be a good fit for using the RIM application? Well, let's start with Reaper, because we can do a, a an a semi-announcement, a soft announcement here. We are actually creating a VST plugin for Reaper mm -hmm. that will allow you to drop it onto any track, including the master track, and will allow you to actually remotely control, I to work with the person on Reaper. Because right now, 
we, you know, with audio cards and stuff being what they are, uh, it, it's just a challenge um, yes. because people's audio setups with Reaper is kind of challenging because people have multiple sound card, you know, outputs and things like that. But I mean, anybody really remote support is one of those things that can help everybody. And for us as a company, we look at it a couple of ways. Sure. I mean, the, it's a given, right? I can connect to your machine. I can fix it. You can connect to my machine. I can fix it. But let's look at some of the kind of corner cases where you, Michael, you know, you're you're a great trainer. Um, you're a great, you know, great, great, uh, great support person. I've, I've heard so much about you. And, you know, if you connect to somebody and they say, hey, Michael, what do you think of this? And you say, well, I've got the software installed. For example, Reaper. What, what is Reaper like? Well, what you can actually do with RIM is you can actually do what's called flipping the session which you can actually remotely or virtually hand the person that you're working with your keyboard and they can access the software on your machine and work with it as if it was sitting in front of them. And because our connections are like 99 milliseconds or less, you just feel exactly like you're sitting there. Uh, it, likewise, let's say you have a family member uh, and you're, out there filling out a form and you just can't fill it out right. You can virtually hand them your keyboard with a family member or whatever connecting to your machine and ask them, can you fill this out for me? You know, because sometimes we just don't want to use, you know, um, Ira or Be My Eyes or we don't have a package for it or whatever. So by getting a person in your family or whatever, or maybe your tech support for your family. So Hey, now it's your time mm. to support me. <laughs> you know, so so it, it, it's it's really cool. Or, or for that captcha, I mean, it just brings somebody up. And the other oh, the other yes. thing with rim with rim that's really cool is when you want to like establish a session with somebody with say Team Viewer. Um, you have to go in there and find this all this convoluted information that you then got to give to the other side. With rim, all you do is agree on a keyword. And that keyword can be as little as one letter. So the moment that you actually, you know, do the, the keyword and, uh, and and submit it, the other side just types in the same keyword and bingo, you're, you're connected. That's it. So if you have a person with lim limited uh, uh, physical functions, they can just use one letter, you know, or whatever and, and, and press the enter key and they're connected. So it's, it's uh, and that's aside from, of course, from the remote, you know, from the uh, uh, unattended access and stuff. There's a lot of features here. And because I, I'm so close to the project, they're so excited about it. It's kind of like, okay, where, where do I start? Mm. So. Exactly. Uh, before we get into pricing, Kelly Rumya, does something here uh, strike a question for either of you for Mike? Not a question. I just want to say it sounds really incredible. And I think that, you know, uh, around the table, we have a varied um, number and quality of experiences getting into remote sessions with people, PC, Mac, etc. But uh, I'd say that this sounds intriguing, especially with your personal experience, Michael, when you've come on and talked about um, using this tool and in different capacities. I've always been like, oh, it sounds good. I've yet to try well, it, though. Well, yeah, me too. I love the speed that you're talking about because it means everything and how you understand stuff. 
and how you get supported. And really on both wonderful. ends of it, whether or not you're mm -hmm. IT. Come on, people. Come mm -hmm. on in. The water's fine. We're good. <laughs> see, see, I got room. If, if you need help setting stuff up, Kelly yeah. or, or Andromia, feel free to reach out. We can we can experiment with it. In the last two minutes, Mike, uh, you mentioned the half hour uh, additional for free for BITS members. Uh, how does pricing work if we're going to use more than that hour a day? You you can get a number of like an incident pass is from one computer to any computer for 24 hours a day pass that starts at ten dollars for a day pass it's one computer to any number of computers for 24 hours you know so for for a 24-hour period and then we have a number of consumer facing packages um which uh, range from uh everything from three hours a day and free weekends um, to just weekends. I mean, you could match it, mix it any way you want. We also have pro packages, which are unlimited, uh, enterprise packages, uh, huge amount of variations, uh, numasolutions.com forward slash RIM, that, or you can just go directly to the RIM website at getrim, G-E-T-R-I-M dot A-P-P. And uh, I think that uh, you're going to find that it's it's something really important, you know, to to get onto your computer, whether you use it today or not. It's one of those things that yeah. doesn't cost you anything. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try it out. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, Mike. And uh, we appreciate you coming to talk more about REM. Remember, if you're a BITS member, you have that extra 30 minutes. And Kelly and Romeo, thanks for having us. Thank you Kelly, both. Romeo, keep up the great work. Michael, it's always a pleasure, sir. Well, it's a pleasure Thank to you. have you both on. Michael, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We were speaking with uh, Michael Babcock, of course, for our Tech Talk, and Mike Clavel of Numa Solutions talking about RIM. What an awesome tool. He gave us the shout-outs to where you can find it and uh, check out the podcast to revisit the conversation. We step aside, and when we return, we've all been told, told to layer up in the cold. But what exactly does that mean? Grant Hardy, he's here. He'll explain it on his headline segment. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. From subject to subject, we do it on this program, folks, better than anybody. I've got to say with some ego here, Ramya and I have a lot of content that we're privileged to bring to you out there, whether you're checking us out on AMI-tv or listening in on AMI-audio daily. Thanks a lot, but always uh, with our contributors, they're bringing people on with them. We have externals we bring in here, and of course, our regular mainstays that always have so much rum, makes it so much fun, and uh, we get to sit mm -hmm. back here in class and learn. Um, last week, we were talking about walking in the ice because so much of Canada now is starting finally in certain areas to get snow. We worry about our what's our foot gear, what, walking along, making sure we're not slipping, especially those of us with low or no vision. However, one of the big questions is always about what we wear. Well, today we're going to get into that in a few moments with Grant Hardy as he brings headlines to us. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. 
So, Grant, I'm assuming, and I might be wrong here, you know what they say about assuming, um, that we're going to start with this item that you want to talk about. But I think about people like yourselves out there. We were speaking with John Beeler and you Friday on the show about this, the, the sudden cold snap. And so many places across North America getting it and people who literally don't have to deal with it like other parts and saying, well, okay, hold on, what do you mean layer? Why do I find myself, even though I throw this winter jacket on, still freezing out there? Welcome back to the show, sir. Happy Monday. Cold Monday in some places. Thank you for having me a little happier Monday now that we've gone from the unusual Vancouver cold and snow back to the typical Vancouver lukewarm just pouring rain on this Monday. So, <laughs> hey, it's what we know. It's what we know and it's what we can handle. So we have it back. I'm sure you sensed, well, I don't want to speak for John Bueller, but my anger and wrathfulness towards the cold snowy weather on friday you know being stuck inside <laughs> that was the way beeler put it you know and oh, i haven't gone out because it's just uh but it's funny when you hear someone say man i'm a lot happier now it's just raining right it's all relative yeah, it's a yeah pretty low bar now that i say that yeah. <laughs> well when i was uh, 18 19 at university i used to wear where like insanely like a t-shirt in the pouring rain or whatever and i was used to get laughed at i find that my body in my early 30s now is not capable of doing that so everyone tells us <laughs> we got to layer up but what exactly does that mean i was hoping it would mean my haphazard approach of just putting on a couple you know sweaters and a jacket or something but apparently not there is a little bit of a science to it according to the canadian press mm -hmm. The first thing they say is, no matter how cold you are, once you start moving, you are going to sweat and get a little bit of moisture in there. And so for that reason and others, they say to avoid cotton. It absorbs moisture, so it stays wet uh, longer. And especially if you're sweating or cotton, uh, socks and boots and shoes can get wet in the snow. Uh, and then it won't dry quickly, so you'll get cold. Instead, choose wool socks and fab fabrics made of fleece, polyester, or polypropylene. Propylene. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that correctly. You're laughing know. at me, so I, I feel don't like know. I'm not. I don't know what it is. Okay, it's just right. not cotton. Sounds like a petroleum. <laughs> yeah, like can't even pronounce yeah. our fabrics anymore. Okay, feel like we'll look for oh, that. Yeah. The, the more synthetic they get, the harder it is. The uh, harder you can it gets also... to say. <laughs> this... Yeah, I'm just going to walk into the store and ask for that, Shay. Yeah. This might be easier than that. You can also hold read... up the article. <laughs> yeah, just hold it also... up for them. Exactly. Um, might not work so well on my Braille reader device. Uh, you can also repurpose old vests and shirts, which are great at keeping your core warm so in terms of layers they say to think uh think of three main layers uh you start with a base layer then a mid layer and then an outer layer so the base layer is closest to your skin so it's important for the fabric to wick away moisture choose polyester over cotton as we said then wear a mid layer a vest or a shirt to keep your core warm some people choose to wear more than one mid layer especially children they say they can need an extra layer there finally wear a traditional winter jacket that breaks the wind uh a little bit more and insulates you uh curious about your uh thoughts so far I, must uh, admit, I don't dress like this at uh, all. Uh, well, I, I mean, I tr I've tried, but 
I think I've probably been guilty of the cotton t-shirt or whatever like that as my mm. base. And now I'm sitting there thinking, oh, oh, because oh. it's so true. You move around, you get warm. And if you do start to sweat, of course, the moisture is not what you want. Um, but I, so I'm trying to understand some of this. I don't think I'd do two mid layers like the poor kids have to do or should do. The rest of it, I, I get. I've always been traditionally t-shirt, shirt, um, and maybe a, a sweater or a, um, what have we had our arguments about? Hoodie? <laughs> the a, fleece, a fleece or a hoodie. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. or, and, then, and then a jacket. And I hate a hoodie because I don't want the hood because most of my jackets have a hood. Yeah. Yeah, I usually tend to get like really thick parkas or winter jackets for insulation and yeah. all that, but with, you know, nice hoods. But uh, never am I layering under that. I've started a bit more now, but not really. The thing with the... It really does work, though. It does. And the thing with the fabrics is really interesting to keep in mind, right? Because of us sweating if we're too yeah. hot. And then yeah. that pers perspiration stays with you and then you're wet and cold. So uh, I think the where I'm taking this all in is socks. Like, I don't even know what material my socks are. <laughs> but then you're wearing your winter boots all day, and you're outside, but then you're also inside all day, and then you're sweating, and it's gross, and then you're thinking, like, my socks are wet, and then you're not going to get warm again. I mean, toes are always cold. Yeah, but, but what about your upper body? Upper body's fine. I told you, giant it's like jacket. Like, doesn't care. Just one it's jacket, my, a shirt my, doesn't matter. Yeah. Now the socks. Yeah, seriously, it's the socks so that are the problem. So do you tuck your so if, your if you're wearing trousers, Grant? Do you tuck them in to your socks? Would you do that kind of thing? I remember as a kid, they used to I'm drive me nuts trying to get me to do that. You know, I always find it's a brilliant idea, but I always find somehow I end up getting like a little tiny bit of snow somehow in there. I don't really know how, and then. I don't know, because it's tucked in, I feel like it just kind of is harder to get that moisture out. I don't know. Maybe I need to do a better job of uh, sealing it. If if I can add a little bit more fear to the, or not fear, well, yes, it is fearful <laughs> when it's cold, but feel to this fire. Oh. They say the most important part of your body to cover, according to the city mm -hmm. of Minnesota, that gets Head. really cold is the butt. So they what? say wear a winter jacket that falls closer to your knees than yeah, your hips. True. Um, and is this because we're yeah. not supposed to be sitting on cold benches? Well, I was just going to say that would be the, the thing, head? but I would imagine if you're getting a breeze mm. and it hits your legs and that, because I know, like you talked about socks, I know as soon as you get your feet cold, that starts just shooting up the rest of you, but I would imagine the back of your legs and your behind yeah. or whatever, maybe the same thing. And Rum, like you said, you tend to, if you have to sit down on something, yeah. you're, you're done for. And okay. it's also just so unhealthy. But uh, my to be original that cold. guess was going to be the head because, you know, heat escapes and all this yeah, stuff you you've been hearing it. forever. You bet yeah. once you lose because yeah. that's where it all escapes, right? Apparently. Exactly. And, and but yes, Minnesota. Jelly, they, Minnesota, <laughs> and they get cold there. And yes, they recommend keeping your legs warm with uh, fleece lined leggings or a pair of long underwear under your pants. Uh, right. And yeah, woolen socks, winter boots. And yes, yeah. I believe I by saw the time you would undress when you got home, it would be an hour after you got home. That's why I don't layer. I'm telling oh. you, it's so oh, much man. work. It's like only recently layer. I started to wear, you know, tights or uh, yeah, like layer my legs. Before that, it was wow. just like I will just withstand the cold <laughs> or but get really tall Brent, boots. <laughs> let's be fair. We are talking, <clears throat> the three of us, 
city dwellers, not where a lot of people live in places that may be smaller, where people do do more walking and stuff like that, and or have to spend more time waiting for even transit outside transit, yeah. in the cold. Yeah, true. Yeah, oh, exactly. And it's it's so amazing how this tends to impact, I think, marginalized um people mm-hmm. a lot more just because as we talked about last week all of our kind of our landmarks get covered up we actually wouldn't you know it have a, a bus strike this week um which you know luckily things are kind of warming up a little bit but uh yes we have no bu- no buses uh, no transit at least for the next couple of days uh which also means like all the ubers and stuff like that that uh, we rely on our slower and have surge pricing as well. But yes, absolutely. All that oh, combination man. of like moving where you're sweating and also just standing still for 20 minutes, yeah. taking a bus adds a little bit of wear and tear. Have either of you gotten frostbite before? Nope. No, I haven't. I've avoided okay. it like the plague, man. I'm telling you, I've come close. Close? I, I okay. Mean, I, I, I mean, I think I, it's possible I had, but... Like so I, minor I don't, I don't that recall. you just didn't realize well, and I, that yeah. I didn't feel the discomfort you get with it because my my family was always so aware of it. Certainly dried out my skin enough. Ooh, okay. That's Scary. another thing they say that layering is effective to help prevent again, especially I believe for children. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Kelly, you sent this to me, and uh, it it it's basically stuff that uh, is a good reminder. A good reminder that there's a lot of it's cold and flu se- uh, season. There's a new variant of COVID apparently. Oh, I keep waiting for the magical day when this is going to be over, but I don't see it coming. Never. <laughs> so um, they're just reminding people um, to uh, wash your hands while singing happy birthday twice while you scrub with soapy yep. water. Or if you feel twice silly. now? Is our soap getting weaker and just, not just more expensive? Yeah, maybe. If you twice. feel okay. Silly doing that. I feel like I'd at least have to come up with another verse. So it's not someone's name at least, right? Exactly. If you feel silly, they say that you can count to 20, a little more forgiving than I thought. Use hand sanitizer, of course, with 60% alcohol when you don't have access to soap and water. Uh, And uh, unfortunately for people, they are saying to wear masks if you can in crowded places. Increasing ventilation in your workplace is also really key if you can figure out how to do that, especially in Vancouver. We have a lot of older buildings here, you know, heritage buildings that maybe have a little more poor ventilation. They're also, what was that? Schools. You know, I'm still wondering how many legitimately schools they're actually signed up for getting work done on their air air systems, or are they just going with the filters? Mm. I suspect most are just the filters. I agree, actually. And plus, we kind of, I feel, have a little bit of a cultural um, uh, perception of schools, and understandably so, but as schools as being sort of like daycare number one and school number two, which means that often people send kids that are sick to school. Um, So it seems like a really easy place to get infected with uh, germs. Uh, Also, they are... 
Mm, I, I was just going to say that. And I was like, I don't know if that's <laughs> politically correct, but you said it for me. So there you go. Um, and they say it's not too late to roll up your arms and get vaccinated. Since this is a United States centric, only 17% of those eligible have gotten the updated vaccine. Uh, so that little jab may be worth it. Any tips or advice you guys have for keeping healthy, especially those of us with vision loss? Yeah, well, use Google uh, yeah. to uh, sing the song for you so you know how long you've been washing your hands. The oh, smart speakers um, will especially entertain if you forgot you. the uh, words, right? Yeah, get Google to sing it for you, right? <laughs> like I mean, a, Rum doesn't have to feel silly like making up rhyme, names. Wash, wash, wash your hands, version. It's yeah. so funny. This is the way we wash our hands. Happy birthday! Wash our hands. Um, <laughs> it just seems so funny that we're reminding I'm ourselves to trigger people's of it, Googles right? right now. But mm. because you know how many people have kind of got away from the, the the washing their hands the way we've been taught for three years, it's like I don't have time for that now. Do you have time for I know, COVID? Right? And the oh, amount of hand washing videos. Woo, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, stay safe, stay healthy. See you next time. Thanks, Grant. This is the way cool Grant washes his hands. Exactly. Happy birthday! Wash your hands. Rums, also, give, ABCD. Give it a try in a bit with Google. You're supposed ABCD. to do all of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Twinkle, twinkle, lady. Folks, um, mm-hmm. over the next couple of minutes before we return, you should be able to do "Happy Birthday" about three times. This is the way we wash our hands twice, and ABC two times <laughs> as well. Uh, on the other side of the break, Marco Flalo will join us. He's from Access Tech Live, and he's going to be recapping the Consumer Electronics Show and all the fun and random gadgets he had a chance to observe, take part in, sneak in his pocket, and try to bring them home. We'll be back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Thanks for being with us, folks. Remember our podcast. Subscribe to it if you would. Give us a rating and review if you have a few moments. But mostly, take in the show. You can listen in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Rumya podcast where we add an audio vanity card on the end of it. Rumya supplies that for us today on the program. If, in case you got to get away, don't forget. That's the Kelly and Rumya podcast. Subscribe now. It's a bit of a story time segment on, uh, on my vanity today. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, a little, a little bit of a story, more of a talking about trauma recap. No. Uh oh. No. Yeah. Uh oh. I know, but it was entertaining. I think. You know. I think that's always, especially if you have that black humor. You mm-hmm. know, you can laugh at your traumas a little bit, but uh, a little, yeah. Keep it in keep it in mind that hey, man, this may also be someone else's. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, and I didn't find it funny, and we have to always bear that in yeah, mind. Yeah, it's like oh, okay. I'll just laugh yeah, at my I own did. stuff then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I found it funny. You know, especially um, the five steps I fell down. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I bounced. Ooh, as long as you're not properly injured. All right. Well, well on as long Mondays. As you're, layered, you're all right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to be all right then. <laughs> Mondays, we like to spend some time talking about things going on at the network and highlight something. And today, we're checking in with Marco Flalo of Access Tech Live, which you can catch noon Eastern on AMI TV on Thursday's weekly show. Super fun with him and Stephen Scott and the gang. And uh, Mark, like, how many times have you talked about CES already? You're here to talk some more about oh, it. Oh, like 999,000. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> and how long still can you guys have milk this? You're not like, can exhausted. Can you milk this right into? Can you milk this right into March? I think so. I could, oh yeah, easily. We we recorded. Um, 
we recorded one, two, three, like eight interviews just after the cameras were off the live show. And we oh. still just scraped the surface of what we could talk about. This of is going to be going on for, oh, we could probably milk this till June. Okay, good. <laughs> so we can get you back at least two more times, I think. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all rum you cares about? Good. Mark, five oh, more Mark's times. Gonna time for us. What's wrong with a little <laughs> transparency? Yeah, exactly. Mark, um, what did we say? We wanted to cover quirky, strange, interesting gadgets that you That's haven't touched on yet? Uh, sure. I mean, let's uh, listen. I picked. I picked some three cool things that I saw at CES. Okay. Um, that had some accessibility spin on it. That were just kind of like blew my mind. You know, um, everything I think at CES has the kind of quirky, I guess, theme to it. Sure. But these things come to life, right? They end up having a life of their own. And the first one mm -hmm. was 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 a thing called the gyro glove. This was. <laughs> it looks like uh, you know if you can flashback in the good old days to the Nintendo Power Glove. That would you, you put it on your right hand? I think it was only right hand, not left hand. Had all these so. buttons oh. on top and these wires, and it looked just like a futuristic glove. Well, this is what this looks like. But what it's using, it's doing, it's using gyroscopes to um, stimulate the nerves and actually reduce tremors for people who suffer from Parkinson's oh, and live wow. with Parkinson's. Yeah, and yeah, and I've and the this. funny thing is, we had the founder come on the show, and he. Kind of caught us by surprise, and we had like about like two minutes before between segments, and he brought somebody on with him who was wearing the glove, um, who has Parkinson's, and it the whole thing would turn to a whole different direction because we got to really get that firsthand experience and that point of view as to how it helps and you know the before and after where she was able to you know now able to lift a, a glass of tea or play Jenga, and before it was just a catastrophe. Oh so my. we see things like that, and we're like, oh my god, that's so cool. Now again, it looks kind of funky because it's a glove and it has you know this round dial over over the hand and wires and stuff that go to it. But these are like prototype things. This is the fun part about CES is you get to you get to see things that are are somewhat proof of concept. But this one is actually selling. That's already available in the market today. Satya Nadella, the the president and CEO of Microsoft, even made it a point to go to their booth specifically after his uh, CES keynote to check it out. And we're showing B-roll right now. People who without without the glove on are shaken. Like the tremors are horrible. They can't you know thread a needle, can't play Jenga, can't do anything. And then when they turn it on, suddenly the stability is just right there. And this is not medical. This is not a medical device. This is an assistive device. Wow. Um, uh, does it look I think it's amazing way... because when you talk about, well, Ram, I'll let you ask her about my Mine's more of a comment. Okay, well, yeah. I just want to know, it, does it look the way it's supposed to function or does it look like an in, insane gadget, you know, for the, it the looks, way that it, it looks a little gadgety at this point. Ram, okay. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta admit, it's got, imagine wearing Not a black subtle. glove with, with mm. holes open for your fingers and there's a, you know, this kind of cylindrical thing, almost like a dial on top of the hand itself and a wire that goes back to a, a little control pad that has the batteries. But you know what, you know, for the people who use it, they don't care, you know, it, it yeah. doesn't even matter yeah. to them. And it's available this both is hands, this right? One, right? Well, both hands? Pardon me? Uh, it, it can be used for both hands, absolutely, okay. left okay. or right. And, 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 and it's, it's available early, now. That's a cool thing. Yeah, but it's an early iteration of it. You know it'll change. But, Mark, I think that's the, what you said off the top. It's very interesting because I think we look at things like this and say, well, it looks kind of freaky, kind of weird, kind of whatever, ha, ha, ha. But we know a lot of this stuff is the starter for something. It's going, But mostly it's just out of our mindset. It's not something we would think about unless we're connected, and even if you are connected um, to a condition or a situation or a need, 
we, to us, it's like, wow, that's kind of far-fetched, isn't it? Because we have no prior thought of this kind of thing. So I think everything seems so gadgety, so futuristic, or maybe a little even outlandish to us uh, and, until we start seeing the practices such as this in action. And what's cool is that it, it goes, you know, it's it shows you that someone had this idea and said, hey, yeah. maybe a gyroscope or maybe this technology that exists today could be used for this purpose. And then suddenly he does it and it, it does. And, you yeah. know, the, the other couple devices and the apps and stuff we're going to talk about today, I mean, also kind of they mimic that kind of feeling and that kind of thing you get out of it. And, you know, we're showing B-roll on the screen right now. We had people crying when they used it, which is which is pretty I cool. And the next it. one I want to talk about um, is actually an app called WISP. Okay, W-H-I-S-P-P. Stephen actually previewed this at CES Unveiled in Amsterdam. Uh, I think it was back in October or November. And it's an app that is designed for people who um, don't have their voice anymore or who are losing their voice. And it allows them, it's an intermediary between themselves and whoever they're calling. And it actually enhances their voice and through a, a, a unique profile that's specific to them can actually almost bring back their original voice. And this is another example of someone using smartphone technology and artificial intelligence with an idea and said, let's try this. And it worked. And again, demonstrations of people who, you know, have tracheotomies and barely have their voice who are whispering. And suddenly the person on the other end was able to hear their voice as it was in their prime. Mm. And it works wow. not only for a whisper, but people who are completely, you know, can't speak, it uses vibrations. And they can even recreate, like if someone knows that they're going through a surgery and there's a chance that they might lose their voice, or someone, you know, does have some kind of ailment where their voice is going away, you can actually bank audio recordings of yourself and use old audio recordings of yourself to create your own voice voice profile. It's kind of similar to what Apple's doing with the, you know, personal voice yeah, feature personal on voice, iOS, yeah. but to a whole new level because it's meant specifically for this kind of purpose. It's so cool. This kind of stuff I think is obviously going to, you know, more broadly be used in a lot of other ways, but in this very niche aspect, it, it gives you a lot of room to uh, tweak and optimize how things are going to work right before it gets to that level yeah totally and that's the whole point of this it's you know it's it's tech that they want people to know it exists so that they can maybe you know utilize it before yeah. they need to use it almost right so it, it's one of those situations where and, and from ces amsterdam unveiled like what was a couple months mm -hmm. ago to now right. they were prototyped to market now so it, it's cool to see how quickly things are turning around now as well especially on the software side of things yeah, and, and the support that they get, because we know these things cost money, and when you do find something and want to get it out there, there's a lot more to it than just, hey, see it, and, and making sure it gets to market and gets to the people that need it. Mark, what's yep. the critique level like around CES in general? Like, obviously, everyone's super hyped, and we know that things are in development stages or, you know, like, put the stuff out there no matter what iteration it's in, especially in early stages. But does that mean that we're not seeing a lot of criticism, or do, is there still a lot of criticism around the, the tech that you find? Was there no, ever? The, 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 there is criticism around it. People are always judging. People are always stealing mm -hmm. ideas. But constructively are always, or what? Well, or just the hate? It, it, it's, hard, it's hard to kind of figure that out, to be mm. perfectly honest, because there's so many people that come into yeah, and from this event that it's kind of figured. The interesting thing this year at CES I found was that there was no big kind of big breakthrough like 
one thing, you know, okay. people were talking about transparent TVs the first couple of days. Then, you know, they were talking about a lot of the assistive tech, but there was nothing that was like, oh, my God, this is a flying car. Oh, my God. It's something that really blew our mind. And that's kind of what everybody, when you read any coverage from CS this year or see any coverage, that's what the takeaway was, is there was no big thing, that big one thing. A lot of small little things, but no big like, oh, my God, what was that? Is yeah. that okay? And, and, and is that is that the timing? Because we're catching up so fast, things are being spewed out so quickly in the way of ideas and technology, is it harder to wow us now? Or wow, especially the people are in the know there? Or is it that the purpose uh, of CES is changing? I think it's a combination of both. Number one, you know, the CES changed dramatically during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We're now getting back to full force. They had numbers of uh, 400 plus thousand, sorry, 4,500 plus exhibitors. Um, I just don't remember the, the number of uh, people that attended, but I don't have that offhand. But it's definitely, it's it's getting back to the numbers they had before. But I think it's also just a, a, the sign of the times, you know. It's a big software generation. AI and, and software is where things are at when it comes to hardware, which is what the wow moment were they're really about hardware it's like oh my god like a nine thousand inch tv you know um but we don't have those anymore but we do see those developments in software the the, the last one that i wanted to throw out there was a winner of the cta the consumer technology association's pitch competition and that's a company uh, the company name itself uh Aug augment something something with augment but the <laughs> actual product was called the mouthpad and this is one oh, of these yeah. products yeah. that yeah. when I found out about it, I'm like, well, of course, why wouldn't you use this? And it looks like just like a, a see-through mouth guard or a retainer that sits in the top palette of your mouth. And using your tongue, you get like a trackpad and you can control devices via Bluetooth and wireless technology. So imagine, you know, you're paralyzed to the neck down. You don't have to worry about mouth controls now. You can use it with your tongue. You can do subtle movements. And, and, and it, there's uses outside of accessibility as well. And just sure. the idea of it is like, well, of course, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't someone else think about that sooner? Thankfully, you know, they didn't. And these guys got the patent on it. Mm. Um, but they definitely deserve that award. And I think it's one of the coolest devices I've seen, you know, assistive or non-assistive tech in a long time. You yeah. know, and the um, multi-purposes. We were talking to John Beeler about this the other day. Yeah. And the amazing uses that people could have. But it's just what power it gives people. Go ahead, Ron. And I was going to say, sometimes I think of like the, the virtual reality glasses, I can't remember what they're calling it, for Apple that's coming out where, you know, you just don't have anything. It's just all projection or, or however yeah. they say it. And I think like is, there's got to be a bit more bridging the gap, right, for people who need the, the tactile feedback or the something um, and and how that's going to be implemented. I wonder if stuff like this, this tool, the mouth, uh, what do you call it, mouthpad? Mouthpad. Yeah, yeah. is going to be that gap bridging device. Yeah, it could be, I mean, it could be another control mechanism, exactly. Vision Pro, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it could be another control mechanism. But I think we're also, you know, you talk about tactile feedback. I watched a, a video the other day. Disney came out with an interesting technology. Again, I don't remember the name, of course. But it's basically, it's a floor that lets you walk on it in your place. So you could be in virtual reality or extended reality and walk or run. And it, and you're not actually moving. You're standing and still. But it feels to you like you're actually Wicked. moving. Yeah, so technology like that and, and gloves and things that gives you physical sensations yes, yep. will help bridge those gaps as well, uh, Those to give you that, yeah. that tactile feel well, to the yeah. The, the three-dimensional experience, exactly. Yeah, Mark, and, gotta and go. make things so possible for people. It's beautiful. Thanks, yeah. Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, one, keep talking CES until June 2024. Mark Aflalo, <laughs> check him out on Access Tech Live with the guys. Noon Eastern on AMI-tv Thursdays.
and he'll start giving us previews of 2025. Mm -hmm. Coming up in the next hour on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin introduces us to this year's pro bono law student. And we'll get into a good conversation with her and learn a lot about the support she gives our program. And on our orientation and mobility chat, Mark Rankin talks about fall prevention and risks associated with the winter weather. But up next, Dawson City Community Reporter Kim Hovey joins us to tell us about the Aurora Ballad. Oh, I can't even say it. Listen to my screen reader. But you know what I mean? The Aurora Borealis. After this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. the first day of the week time on AMI-tv. At 4 p.m. Eastern, we show up on AMI-audio, and then you can find us on both networks at 10 p.m. Eastern for the first repeat of the program of the day. Anytime you can catch our show, we appreciate it. It's Kelly and Ramya. She's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. Behind me, the, the white couch, a few bookshelves, a little bit to keep us. Oh, the monitor over there. Look, that's cute. It's got Kelly and Ramya on it. Aww. And that's what you're tuned into, folks. And Ramya is at the studio in Toronto. It's time to welcome in one of our committee reporters to visit with us. We do this Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays. We welcome Kim Hovey in from uh, Dawson City out there in the Yukon. Hey, Kim, how are you? Trying to stay warm here in my kitchen because we are in an extreme cold uh, warning situation right now. Okay. Put us all to shame, Kim, because we've been whining about our cold lately. Oh, oh look, the windchill says minus 28. Oh, what, what's, what's the temps there? So this morning, minus 43 with the wind chill of minus 49. Um, and that's that's just kind of, it's it's high or it's cold, but it's not as cold as it has been. So oh. we've been having just a crazy temperature winter this year. So it just over Christmas holiday, we were almost like, min we were minus one, two, three. And then like within a day or two, we were minus 40. And it's just been crazy trying to stay dressed properly and so hard on the vehicles yeah but oh my gosh yeah we um we were just talking layers the concept of it and trying to for our heads to get around some of the things that they do's and don'ts of it and uh talking about temperatures on minus 50 uh wind chill uh definitely come into play um but things have been kind of good kind of busy there let's talk some dawson city life what's been happening <laughs> Well, even though it was cold, it was a, a wonderful Christmas season that it was a little bit warmer so we could get out. And our New Year's Eve uh, fireworks show was beautiful. We could stand out and watch it, although many people can see it from their house right oh, in town. But it was just perfect to be outside, too. So that made it really nice. So what's your uh, cutoff for that sentiment of, like, we could still go out because it was warmish? What's that temperature? Um, actually, it was about minus 23, I think it was. <laughs> okay. um, 
Yeah, yeah. So minus 20s are easy for us. We're like, oh, yeah, that's almost bikini weather. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> kind of bomb right? Weather. Okay. Oh, it is. Man. Yeah. So, like, come... that's with or without wind chill. Do you guys have wind chill? Oh, my. Yeah, that's we what do. We yeah, yeah. Pretty bad, yeah, right? it gets yeah. the wind is bitter cold here and it can make a huge change mm -hmm. in the temperature. Wow. Um, so New Year's, the fireworks. Yeah. That sounds like yes. such a good time, right? It oh, was. Man. And as you know, a big thing for us is the ice bridge. And yeah. oh, Kim, Kim, um, can I just? Uh, we want to just run something here. Uh, can we run the fireworks for just one, just with the sound up, guys? Like I just love that. Here's our, our <laughs> wonderful celebration there. Absolutely, and it's oh yeah, it was a perfect night. And this was just a little snippet. The ending of it was beautiful. We weren't really expecting it to be as fabulous as it was so they really did an amazing job this year oh beautiful i love that oh man and it surprises you when it's bigger than what you expect mm. oh yeah totally you can, you're saying people can see this from their homes most all over dawson yes you can just about every house you can look out your window and see it just it's a perfect spot for them to That's have sweet. them yes mm. Okay, and you were saying so the nobody bridge? Out. So our ice bridge is a crucial thing for West Dawson to get over to East Dawson. And this year, it's not forming. And so it's created uh, a bit of a, a scramble for the West Dawsonites that okay. rely on what happens, like at the grocery stores and the bank and mm -hmm. uh, the post office is all over here. So um, some of them venture... The, it is frozen downriver a ways, and so they venture outside of the Dawson area to cross the river. So they're wow. like a couple of hours away from Dawson to cross oh, and then man. a couple hours back. Oh. But they do it, and I guess that's part of the attraction of West Dawson because it's <laughs> it's off-grid, <laughs> so it's off-grid. Oh. Wow, is that's there still amazing. an opportunity for the bridge to freeze over you think Kim? at this point they're kind of saying it's not gonna be oh, wow. um yeah it's not gonna happen this year but you never know like with this cold weather if it stays cold there is the potential but i do believe it has something to do more so with like the water currents this year mm -hmm. and um so that has changed from i don't know if it's directly related to flooding or just part of what happens when water flows it changes the the bed right the floor mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and so i i think there's like a sandbar that's different this year and it's changed the flow and so it's made the water more faster and warmer potentially um so they tried to make a nice bridge by cutting a huge chunk a couple guys went out and cut a huge chunk of ice and they had an engineer friend that kind of gave them the dynamics of it all and yeah. but it it ended up failing it got crushed i think the so they were hoping it would fast. get wedged into a spot that people could utilize to go across and that, exactly. that must be really tricky okay um 
Yeah. And where else do you want to go? You have some accessibility stuff you want to talk about before we get on Yukon Quest on February 3rd. Um, well, I just wanted to say once again how amazing Dawson is as far as accessibility and keeping the um, boardwalks clean. Um, I go to work for 8 o'clock in the morning, and when I get there, the boardwalk is all cleaned off now, and they've got uh, protection um, for the falling ice from the roof on our building because our building um, has been reconstructed. We're in uh, a new office, as I've told you uh, in one of my other uh shows that uh, the sawmill building is been redone for us. And so it's just nice that um, they, they take good care of everybody here and try to make it as uh, safe and comfortable as possible because it is so slippery yeah. and slick. So they're really good about all of that. And this is, you know, through the whole season, this kind of awareness needs to be uh, out there. So really good to hear that they are taking care. And you want to talk about the Aurora Borealis now? Oh, definitely. We've been, you guys and I, we've been talking about we how you have we love to. It. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm actually very excited because I didn't realize that what was really involved in them. I just appreciated them like everybody else. But if if you have the time, I would love to explain how it works. Yeah, let's do that. Because I think we kind of, you know, just love to talk about it and love to talk about the different views and different seasons. But what exactly is this? What are the Northern Lights? Well, but before you so, do that, do you have anything you want to throw in, Kim, about the, and I don't know if the, the Yukon Quest on February 3rd, is there anything we need to cover there? Well, it's just a big event that we have up here, and it's coming February 3rd. And again, it's it's another um, big draw, a uh, tourist attraction draw. And I counted, I think, over 30 participants this year. Um, so it should be a good one. And again, it's going to be this year, it's going to be the three phases where it's a hundred miles outside, or sorry, a hundred kilometers outside of Dawson, or sorry, Whitehorse, for one, and the other one is two hundred and fifty kilometers outside of Whitehorse, and then the one that comes to Dawson is four hundred and fifty kilometers. So it's it's quite the feat for these mm -hmm. people and animals yeah. to do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's pretty wild. That's pretty incredible. And that's February third. Uh, uh, that's amazing. Yes. Okay. yes. Now, so and that ladies. starts in Whitehorse. Yeah. Now your Aurora Borealis. <laughs> well, I have to start by saying that it is uh, a solar storm, um, and what happens is flares and geomagnetic storms, and. So the sun has these storms and the particles uh, slam into our atmosphere. And the, nor the North Pole and the South Pole is actually what draws those atoms to 
and that's why they are more exclusively on the North Pole and mm. the South Pole, um, because they're charged, they're drawn like that. And we have gas in our atmosphere, and that's what causes the reaction, depending on where those molecules enter into the atmosphere. It could be wow. higher levels of nitrogen, higher levels of oxygen, and that's what determines the colors, is how wow. those heated molecules and come um, react with those gases and so nitrogen uh, the nitrogen gas brings more purple blue and pink is really rare rare and the oxygen gas brings green which is the most common color as well Makes and sense, yeah. The red is more common in higher altitudes, so it also depends on where they are in the altitude for the level of gas that it's at. So if it's in a, a really dense oxygenated uh, layer, then it's going to be really bright green. Mm. Um, and if it goes into a nitrogen layer, which is further away, it might even get to red. So it's all about that plasma from the sun that's um, bursting microorganisms, microatoms, uh, entering the atmosphere, reacting to gas and beautiful lights. Mm. And so it takes they up the whole just, sky, right, Kim? The whole just fills everything, yeah. right? Well, more so towards the poles, right? Because right? it is drawn that way, but it can stretch um, depending on, and it also depends on the sun and what the sun emits. Mm -hmm. And you've uh, captured some photos, which were, uh, we were going those, through yeah. while you were explaining this. And I would say, I would love to get the AI description of these photos because you got some nice ones. You're always sending us good photos of the uh, Northern Lights. Well, you can't get time. a bad photo. Well, that's fair, <laughs> right. too. Yep, yep, that's understandable. Kim, <laughs> fantastic, as usual. Always wonderful to talk about it. Always wonderful. Thank you very much for making us so envious and wanting to, you know, yeah. get on an airplane and get there. Thank you. Always. Oh, you got to come. Wow. Then we remember the minus 26 and go, oof. No, oh, no, no, minus 49, <laughs> wind chill. <laughs> yeah, maybe I Remember that, Kim, layers, Kim, right? Uh, thanks, Kim. We'll talk to you next month. Take care, folks. Always have fun talking to Kim Hubby, our community reporter in Dawson City in the Yukon, talking cold and Aurora Borealis today on the program. We'll step aside for a couple of moments Trying to get back out there in that cold. On our orientation and mobility chat today, Mark Rankin is going to talk about fall prevention. Not October, November fall. I mean, kaboom. Uh, this is also going to include the risks that are associated out there with the winter weather next. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Thanks for being with us. No matter how you're checking out the show on AMI-tv across Canada or AMI-audio around the world, we're glad to have you with us. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Once a month, we get into orientation and mobility chats. Uh, here we talk a lot about just traveling and how we can make sure we're having safe 
and accessible travel. We cover a lot of tools and just conversation because it's a very near and dear topic to our hearts. Let's bring on Mark Rankin. Mm -hmm. Where am I? Where am I going? And how do I get there? I'm Mark Rankin. As a certified orientation and mobility specialist, I've been helping pedestrians with vision loss answer those questions for decades, with a few detours along the way. Join me on Kelly and Rumya for some travel tips and tall tales from the streets of Toronto. Mark, of course, because it's winter, um, the angle that you wanted to take around winter travel, uh, talking with you in January, is fall preventions. And, uh, you know, we're, I guess it doesn't matter if you're a white cane user or a guide dog user or any other kind of traveler, this is something that is important to talk about. And you want to cover a couple different angles around this topic today. Where do you want to start? Do we want to go over risks? Yeah, so... Uh... You know, this, I'm going to talk a little bit um, about something. It's, it's a, a little bit of a project we started uh, during the pandemic mm -hmm. at uh, Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada in the Toronto office uh, of a colleague who's, uh, it's always been interested in her false prevention. Um, you know, as an orientation mobility specialist, it's the last thing you want to happen. And the yeah. first thing you always worry about when you're, when you're, when you're working with somebody. Um and so we approached it from the the sort of standpoint that during the pandemic, the you know you had people waiting for service because uh, there was a lot of shifting kind of um, rules about you know what contact levels were allowed through the health allowed through the healthcare system and and uh, while we were trying to respond to that, we wanted people to be safe and we were thinking what could we deliver while we're kind of people are waiting to see us, um, and so we started developing a few things around false prevention. I mean, the worst thing that you wanted to happen then was end up in the hospital because of the fall mm. when nobody mm. knew if hospitals were safe. And, you know, there was a lot of, uh, right. a lot of concern around that. So we we looked around. We found a few things that were really uh, readily accessible online um, that were sort of layman's uh, wording. that would be really easy to understand. Um, people could kind of use them themselves. Um, and then we kind of use those in uh, support groups as a way to sort of just get people thinking about their risk and then thinking about the environment and what sort of things can they do to control, especially their indoor environment, right? We were all kind of indoors. And even in the winter, you find you're spending more times in, indoors, right? Um, people don't always think, you know, you're worried about slipping outside on the ice. Yep. You yep. don't really worry about, about home. inside. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the 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 old kind of cliche about accidents happening at home really is true. Uh, and falls is probably one of the, the peak dangers. Um, so I've, I've seen it happen time and time again, um, you know, often with seniors. And, you know, I, I would say it's the people that are, you know, that we see that are most at risk um, are generally speaking people who've, had a recent change in vision and who are maybe kind of low vision um adjusting to that difference mm. not quite at the point where they can switch over to maybe doing things in a more tactile manner so they're still relying on vision that's not that um reliable reliable anymore yeah and you know that adjustment is is hard to make um you know you you these people don't see themselves as somebody who has uh, a visual disability. They just see a different thing, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things we would do is we went through a questionnaire, and it was kind of one that a lot of 
public health units use um, that that we found. And it just asks a few questions of of, of people to kind of get a, an idea of sort of your baseline risk. Now, these don't take into account vision loss, uh, particularly. Some of them kind of, you can see, uh, are related. Um, but so I'll just kind of quickly go through them. I won't do the actual questionnaire. They, they're, they're weighted differently. But I mean, the first question is, have you fallen in the last six months? And that's always one that we ask in our intakes anyway. Um, but if you've fallen recently, then um, there, the greater chance that uh, you're at risk of fall. Um, have you had anyone advise you to get a cane or a walker or a mobility device? A lot of people um, you know, will resist that for a long time. Um, it's pretty common for us to have somebody as a client and, you know, you look at their gate and you say, has anyone ever, you know, mentioned maybe a rollator or a cane? Oh yeah. My doctor's been telling me that for years, but I'm all right. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm not ready. Yeah. I don't need that yeah. yet. Yeah. And it means the same thing with the white cane, right? It's probably mm -hmm. even a tougher one to, to, uh, get your head around, you know, using, um, any unsteadiness and walking. So do you sometimes feel unsteady, um, do you, when you're walking around at home, do you use furniture to steady yourself or to provide uh, um, assistance when you're when you're walking around? And, and that's kind of a tricky one um, because people will use um, furniture, you know, as landmarks when you're walking around indoors, and right. that's sort of an appropriate use and it compensates for vision loss. But this is more like, are you reaching out because you feel unsteady? Um, do you have a worry of falls? So if there's a worry, that that uh, counts as a risk factor. Um, when you're getting out of a chair, do you have to use two hands um, to push on, on the arms of the chair to get out of the chair? So is there weakness on that transition? Mm -hmm. That transition to sitting to standing is, is, a, is a big tricky one. Um, stepping onto a curb. So do you have difficulty stepping up and down a curb? Um, rushing to the toilet. So it, I have had a few clients where that is a particular area they've, they've experienced falls. Uh, rushing to the front door when somebody knocks on the door and rushing to mm -hmm. the toilet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that is, if you think about the way we travel, um, so folks who got reduced vision, you know, I often say that if you're sighted, you're thinking about your destination and you're not thinking about the journey. You just get there. Right. But right. if you, if you've got reduced vision or no vision, it becomes more about um, travel kind of from landmark to landmark, you know, point A to B to C to D and all those points uh, that you sort of use as sort of verification, little nodes on your journey are really important because um, you know, that's how you break, break journeys down into right. know, manageable chunks where you can sort of maintain a good connection with your environment and feel safe and secure. And in the home, you can do that, you know, by positioning furniture and creating nice lanes of travel and stuff. And, you know, you can travel from the bathroom to the end of the hallway at the mm -hmm. hallway, maybe you transfer over and then you go through the kitchen and you trail, you know, the, the, the counter or something. But I find, you know, if someone has a sudden, need to get to the washroom or somebody knocks on the door and they get flustered, they forget all those steps and they're thinking about getting to that destination and not the steps that they need to get there safely. So that's kind of a big one. Um, just rushing in general. Um, another one is, do you have any loss of feeling in your feet? So, um, and typically for us, this would be people with neuropathy often related to diabetes, yeah. which is of course a big risk factor for vision loss. 
Um, and that's a huge difference. And that that I've seen indoors and outdoors make just a big difference where you don't have the vision giving you the, you know, the really good um indicator of maybe a slight change in elevation in your path or something. Um, and then you don't really feel it through your feet. You you almost feel it in your body. It's when your body feels off balance that you realize something's wrong. So it's kind of late in the process. So they tend to be always on the the point of recovering a, a loss of a, a you know, temporary loss of balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones would be medication. You're taking any medication that ever makes you feel lightheaded. Um, sleep sleep aids, so medications that help you sleep. Um, and the other one would be um, if there's feelings of depression, sadness, you know, um, that's right, also just a risk state factor. of mind, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing you you know you both know is you have to be extremely alert when when your vision is is, is not normal yeah. or average. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A, lo- a little bit that paying affects attention and, yeah. and thinking it out. Like you said, even those stopping points are things that sometimes do give us whether you're on a journey or not, and uh, they may make you think because of our environments and things within our environments. Um, like you said about not being necessarily able to feel your feet, but carpets. If you have a bad carpet too, yep. there's things in your environment that can mess you up too. Well, especially yeah. if you're not necessarily sure what the rate of vision loss is, right? And you mentioned this throughout. Um, if you're not exactly sure where your vision is compared to where it was yesterday or last week or last month, and you're over and under calculating as you move um, and not really aware of that, that is what ends up with the injuries and the falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, the other document we looked at was something, uh, it was actually the Center for Disease uh, Control. Uh, so the CDC in the States um, did something. And it was just a sort of a, a room by room kind of audit of your home and possible risks. And some of the stats they had were that um, for older Americans, and this is, this is data from 2011, 23,000 people over age 65 died and 2.4 million were treated in emergency departments because of falls. So it's a huge amount uh, it is. Uh, of risk. Like it's really like that's way up there in terms of of, uh, of causes of injury and, and death. So w- what they did was they broke it down. And this is something that we sometimes give out to family members so they can think about this when uh, when they're working with, with a, maybe an older family member. So think about the floors. Um, when you're when you're walking around in your rooms, do you have to walk around furniture? And again, using furniture that's sort of like adjacent to a path is great. You know, it's good as a landmark, good as a mid studying point. A lot of people who have depth perception issues feel better when they reach out and check the distance of something, just mm-hmm. to kind of um, uh, reassure them uh, that they're not too close or too far from something. So that works. Um, but not in the path, right? You don't want to have to deviate around something, um, especially the low stuff like coffee tables. Mm. They're killers. <laughs> um, throw rugs. So rugs is a pretty pretty obvious one. Um, they can be useful to people with vision loss because they can, you know, they can serve as a landmark, an indicator yep. maybe of the doorway or the top of the. I don't like that at the top of stairs, but sometimes if you if there's a hallway and you want people to avoid a certain area like that might be close to stairs you can put something there that provides a little bit of an indicator like oh i just stepped on the on the rug as long as they're really well secured um you know with double-sided tape make sure that there's no way that you can catch them um beveled edge is is nice uh low low pile if you do have to use them right so they're mm-hmm. not something that you sink into um, you want something really firm <laughs> stub your toe or go sliding <laughs> mm-hmm. well 
you know, maybe in, maybe if you have like a lounge room, you could put yeah, a exactly. deep carpet. But anyway, <laughs> one that you can roll into. Um, stuff on the floor, uh, like paper boxes, uh, magazines, things like that. I, you know, I've, I've been in lots of places where people just leave stuff out. Uh, and part mm. of it is because they don't want to put it away because they might not remember where they put they it. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, you're going to find it unintentionally. Um, and it's the risk of a fall then, right? Mm. Um, wires. So cords running across paths of travel. Um, I've seen people catch all sorts of stuff. Feet. Uh, rollators in those, uh, all sorts of things like that. White canes, um, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Roomba. Mark, we, got, <laughs> we, got, we just neither here nor there. We got to go. Uh, any last I was had a whole thing on Roombas, I know. So. I was just going to say, and it's like it affects Rumia. The Part only thing two. is the crash <laughs> might wake her up. My vacuum. Yeah, exactly. We got to wrap, but anything you want to leave us on? No, I would just say, you know, just because you feel comfortable doesn't mean that, you know, you're necessarily in a safe area and look critically at the areas that you spend the most time in and make sure that you minimize the risk. Yeah. yeah. We uh, often talk about just like emergency assessments, right? Like if you had to leave your apartment right away, do you have everything you need to leave? Are you um, able to kind of follow a protocol? And this is, I think, around the same vein where once in a while we just got to check our surroundings and reassess potentially and, and especially as you said mark when you're in that hurry whether it's at the back yep. make sure you don't have that tripping uh, obstacle yeah. there or or that those checkpoints that you're talking about whether you need it for your hand or not, don't go putting stuff on it so you go reaching for it in a hurry and swat yeah. everything off and are tripping yeah. over stuff it's almost a Thanks, feng shui Tom. conversation <laughs> <laughs> okay mark yeah. we'll talk to you next month all right, sounds good. Potentially for part two. Mark Rankin is our orientation mobility specialist who joins us on the third Monday for a monthly O&M talk. Totally misled the thought of the, the segment myself, talking so much about falling outside and our, uh, exactly. our conversation Ice through the and day. slipping and, and yeah. Yeah, and yet, like Mark said, so much more of this mm -hmm. happening inside. Coming up next, folks, on Know Your Rights today, Danielle McLaughlin introduces us to uh, this year's pro bono law student, we meet Ashini Paris after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV over on AMI-audio starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for being with us. And a main staple on the program, we talk Knowing Our Rights with Danielle McLaughlin. Today, she's got a very special guest to join uh, on, on the discussion today. Let's bring her on. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. So we have to give the credit to the Amuthan over here because her mind is much better. Twice now she's been able to pull out birthdays. Am I? Last weekend, Mr. Richardson. Calendar up. And shh. Sorry. Here I try, Danielle. Sorry, do you sorry. see that I tried? Don't Can't. anyone say I don't try to be nice. <laughs> Danielle McLaughlin, welcome back. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Shows oh, nice. thank I'm you, say Gary. It first. <laughs> I certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And as a special birthday present to me, I am very happy to have this year's pro bono law student with us today. 
Ashani Pierce is a second-year law student at Osgood Hall Law School, and Ashani volunteers to do important research for our Know Your Rights segment every week on Kelly and Ramya. She is my, uh, what can I say, my 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 my, my secret power. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Ashani. It's so nice to have you with us today. And thank, thank you, you for having me. Oh, happy birthday. I did not know oh. it was your birthday. Ah, <laughs> you can't keep a secret around here. No. I got to tell no. you. No. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, do you just we've had pro bono students for numbers of years, but um, maybe you could remind us a bit about what pro bono students Canada does and where law students like you are doing volunteer work. Yeah, so it is, it's a nonprofit organization with a bunch of different chapters spanning the different law schools. I know Osgood does have the biggest PBSC chapter in Canada from what I've read. Um, so we have a lot of different opportunities for students to work in either client um, services as well as doing research projects. I opted to do a research project because I just wanted to hone in my legal research skills. But there are a bunch of different clinics or different organizations that students can uh, work for, and it's all free legal services. So I know there were some spanning from the Consumer Protection Clinic to like the Don Valley um, Community Legal Services Center and even the Winkler Dispute um, Resolution, sorry, Win Winkler Institute for Dispute Resolution. Um, but then there, there's tons of other opportunities. Like I know there's tax law opportunities as well. So there's just a lot of different areas that students can work in and it's all um, for free. It's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, students, I just want to clarify, don't give legal advice. They're not permitted to do that. They haven't graduated from law school, but boy, can they do a lot. And uh, we've had the benefit of pro bono students for some some years now. Ashley, what made you decide that you wanted to join Pro Bono Students Canada? So um, in my undergrad, I just I did a lot of disability um, work in education and advocacy. So I started the Learning Disabilities Club at Western, and I wanted to continue doing some work in disability law as well. I believe I joined the AOTA Alliance just last year for my Osgood public interest requirement. And then I really was just feeling like I wanted to do more research generally, and I wanted to keep, you know, focusing on the fact that I am interested in disability rights. And then I saw this project with PBSC for the Know Your Rights segment where I could do some more research in disability rights. And I just took the disability law class. So I was like, let me go for it. Nice. That's we're, we're very, very happy that you did decide mm -hmm. to do that. Now, <laughs> I understand that you've done a bit of work with David Lepofsky so that this really isn't your first venture into the area of disability rights. Can you tell us a little bit about your your prior experience, um, either in his office or or uh, you know with that project? Yeah, so I initially got on to AOTA Alliance to work a little bit on the Bill C twenty two progress throughout last year. So that was with regards to the um, disability, the poverty. Sorry, I forget what it's called right now, but. Um, basically, the act's purpose was to raise people with disabilities out of poverty in Canada. And during that process, I didn't do too much research um, itself. I did little tasks here and there where he wanted us to read some little reports or review some of the answers. Um, But then I did get the unique opportunity of going with David to act as a witness in front of the Senate, where he just delivered some of the amendments that he'd like to make to the act. 
and what he would like to see um, happen with the act and how it could help people with disabilities in Canada raise themselves out of poverty. So it was really awesome. I did get to attend the House of Commons as well with him. So we just watched as students. We didn't get to participate in anything. And we got to talk to a couple of senators and um, MPs. So that was very cool. That's a wonderful learning experience. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know that that bill has passed into law, but I also know that so far they haven't implemented um, what they've said they will implement. So I'm sure we'll all be keeping our eyes on on what's going to happen there. It's a very important piece of legislation, for not just for mm-hmm. people with disabilities, but people in Canada, because it, it sets an important precedent, in my opinion. Now, do you think that what you have learned about disability and law will stay with you, even though it might not be exactly the area you will you intend to practice once you graduate? Yeah, if anything, I just feel like it would make my approach to lawyering a little bit, in one sense, more empathetic, just because I don't think a client is just a client. I think there's a lot of background and history that we need to consider when we're taking on our cases and not necessarily in the way that we want to get attached emotionally, but in that we understand that everybody is a human and we want to work on their case to benefit them in the most equitable manner possible. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like a huge lesson I've taken out of all of my disability work and just the open-mindedness and listening component of learning about disability rights. Like it's just taken so long for any kind of legislation such as Bill C-22 to even pass or to even be brought forward. And I just think having that patience and like being able to keep fighting and persevering for what you do want um, is definitely a lesson that I would take with me from all of the disability law and education and advocacy that I've gotten to do. That's really important. Tenacity. I think that, that, um, you know, when I meet, younger law students, people who are just going in into law school, that I think there's a um, a sense that they can solve problems very, very quickly. <laughs> we used to joke am- amongst the people I worked with, with you know, you're, you're not going to make uh, freedom appear o- on a weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that, that, <laughs> that lear- learning tenacity and persistence is is a really wonderful thing. Um, yeah. you, you had mentioned to me previously that you have some other areas in law that that really draw your attention. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I last year took my first intellectual property class. It was a legal values in history and IP. Um, I initially took it because I am from a science undergraduate degree, so I did neuroscience, and I thought that I would be very much pushed into taking IP because that's um, what a lot of science students do in law school. But then I found myself just interested in the generative AI space and learning a little bit more about the copyright framework that is well yet to be formed uh, surrounding generative AI mm-hmm. and the works that are being produced. So that's where I hopefully see myself going. Um, towards, and I'll get to experience a little bit more about learning what IP is actually like um, this summer. Uh, so hopefully, I'll get a better sense of what I want to do after law school as well. Yeah, I I think that that uh, generative AI is something that's interesting to everybody, but perhaps particularly to people in the disabilities community because it might be able to to help to, uh, you know, focus a few issues in a good way. Maybe not. I guess it's early days, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's very, 
you know, very thoughtful of you, I think. Tell me, of the things that you have researched for us, for for uh, yeah. um, the Know Your Rights uh, segment on Kelly and Ramya, what's the most interesting thing that you've found? Um, I think it was actually the legal memo that I had just submitted to you, I think a week ago, about the temporary foreign workers issue. Wow. I It was research on a huge class action uh, launched against the federal government with regards to um, plaintiffs that are alleging that their Section 7 life, liberty, security, and Section 15 equality rights are being infringed. Um, so it is all tied to the imposition of tied employment, which is where uh, I believe workers are given their accommodation alongside their um, employment. And these plaintiffs specifically were terminated without any reason. And um, they're just fighting on behalf of all of the other workers in the program that came from different countries like Jamaica or Grenada and um, have experienced the same issue with just being terminated, no reason, and having lived in very poor circumstances during their accommodation and their employment. So I just really like that issue because it just circled back to issues of race and charter issues and well, like tied to charter issues as well. So I just thought it was very important to keep the conversation going. Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to follow that case as it moves, mm -hmm. we hope, through the through the courts. Um, you know, sometimes I've I've found with our pro bono students that they discover areas where things are deeply unfair that they had no idea about. And I think that it's it's an education for us all to learn, you know, what is going on in our country. Are there, you know, very often um, people in Canada can become quite complacent and think, well, you know, this is where, where, where people actually flee to because things yes. are better here than they are in many other parts of the world. That doesn't mean they're perfect. And I think that when we find out that there are things like that particular issue that we spoke about last week that you did the excellent memo, may I say, oh, <laughs> on, <you>. um, <laughs> for, for us, you know, it really helps us to understand not just that there are things that are unfair, but there are things that we can do about it, that we don't have to just sit back and, um, you know, say, oh, well, I guess that's the law and that's the way it is. You know, one of the one of the things that I think that um, people who who are interested in law learn early, early on, I hope early on, is that, you know, as, as a friend of mine once said, law does not come to us from on high. It comes to us from Ottawa and they're very different places. <laughs> you know, we we really, you know, we law isn't written in stone. It changes all the time. Um, yeah. You know, the, the reason that people who are in parliament are often called lawmakers is because that's what they're supposed to do. Keep making yeah. new laws and changing laws. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's really helpful to have um, somebody with a, a, a fresh view like you have, Ashani, to to you know see what's what's happening in our country and to say, wait a minute, um, yeah. is that it, it, how does that work? And is there something that people are doing about it? And if not, who should be doing something about mm -hmm. this? Are, are there other issues that that uh, struck your fancies in, in in the fall when you began working with us? Other things that that you found to be of interest? Honestly, I think I remember the very first project that you gave me because I just really wasn't aware entirely of what I was going to be doing. And it was just researching a little bit into anti-terrorist legislation. And I just, it's not that 
that project was as difficult as the other ones. I think you just quickly wanted to review some provisions, but I just, all that always stuck with me. I was like, this is my first project on the Know Your Rights segment. I'm going to be researching anti-terrorist legislation and I just didn't know what to expect. So what I've really enjoyed about the project is how it's something different every week. So like I said, I start off there and now I'm looking at temporary foreign workers and I've just had a lot of opportunities to discover different areas of the law in between. And I think that's my favorite part about this project because it isn't just disability law. It is a little bit of everything. Like you said, it's civil liberties. Yes, that, that's right. And and we know that people who live with disabilities are citizens. They are people who live in this country and are affected by, certainly with you know regard to issues of disability rights, but there are a lot of other issues that are extremely significant. And when you take a look at, um, you know, how people who live with disabilities have other kinds of cross-sectional things or they they are, they have vulnerabilities. We need to know about all of our rights. So thank you so much this for the hard work you're doing and will continue to do for the rest of the term. Uh, I really appreciate your being with us today, Ashani. Of course. Thank you for having me and happy birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope it's a really <laughs> great one. <laughs> yeah, tremendous. Absolutely tremendous, both of you, Ashney. It's just what a contribution to our show and the huge different yes. difference it makes in the segments, knowing our rights. Danielle, enjoy the birthday. Uh, take care of yourself. Get spoiled. I plan to do that. Thank you so much, <laughs> Kelly and Ravia. And we'll see you next week. Our Know Your Rights segment, we do it on Mondays on the program. At this time, please join us. Tremendous stuff. You don't know from week to week where we're going to go with it, but everything important. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. When we return, folks, we'll see what's coming up tomorrow on the Now with Dave Brown program on at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. We'll take a peek at what we've got on our show, and we'll monkey around today in our closing moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Don't forget, if you're checking out the podcast, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. That's the Kelly and Rumya podcast. Subscribe. Check out the show in its full version, the complete show with the audio vanity card on the end. Or check it out in segment form. Whatever way is best for you, we appreciate your time whenever you can enjoy the show. Well, Rum, tomorrow at 9 a.m. in the morning, the gang over there at Now with Dave Brown gets things started to get everybody's day going. What they what do they have on their show tomorrow for us? Okay, Tuesday morning, we have Sight Unseen. They'll be highlighting this new drama on CTV. They're going to be presenting an uh, interview that Alex Smythe conducted with the lead actress, Dolly Lewis, um, and uh, Agam Darshi. So we're going to be looking forward to hearing more about that show. Also, Becky Czar is going to be presenting some tips on on how to dress your guide dog appropriately for the season. Long time, Becky. Looking forward to hearing that from her. And Tuesday isn't Tuesday without the weekly news quiz as Dave challenges Alex and Elijah Yardley about the current affairs. Okay, 9 a.m. in the morning. You can gather with the gang over there on Now at Day Brown. They're also available uh, you know, via podcast as well. But check them out live on AMI-tv or one of the repeats. Today on our closing moment, I kind of want to share this, what sounds like a really sweet video that's out there online, a spider monkey's touching reunion with a rescue work, 
worker uh, has been captured on film, and this is from Bolivia, okay? The incredible moment was recorded in a viral uh, TikTok uh, video shared by uh, Casey Cooper. Cooper is a rescue worker and photographer for the Anka Wildlife Sanctuary, which rescued Nika, the black spider monkey uh, that is seen in their latest video. The footage shows Nika, who was a vic victim of illegal wildlife trade uh, before being rescued by the sanctuary, uh, approaching Cooper in a forest setting and giving him a hug. Aww. Aww. Okay, doesn't that, like, that just blows your mind. That, that part so of it alone. so cute. Okay. Absolutely powerful. Now, he was there during this rescue process and have been a big part of uh, Nika's journey, Cooper told Newsweek in an interview. So he was very excited to see Nika and a few other monkeys that he spent so much time working with uh, two years prior. He didn't know if two years was uh, too long for her and the others to actually know him, like to remember. Monkeys are highly intelligent, he goes on to say. So he figured probably she would remember. But he didn't know if her and the others would still be comfortable being near him. Now here, sure enough, when he saw her, she made her way down from the tree she was in, mm. walked up to him to give him a very, very warm welcome. Oh, yes. Also wanted to show off her very pregnant belly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is just amazing. I did not know. We know about the intelligence. Did not know on the memory stuff. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, there's like a Friends episode where Ross gets reunited with this monkey. I don't know how many years later, but it was like a music video and the monkey recognized him and there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the background. But I don't know how true this was. Apparently, it's true based Apparently. on the story. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and you know what? Years, you right? hear like something like that. Well, you hear something like that on Friends, you might kind of like you said, well, I don't know yeah, how like, true just that, cute, that is or whatever. But, yeah. Um, and even here, Cooper, like, like, is this is this nigga going to remember me or not oh, or whatever? And um, how they I show their sentiment beautiful. too, like with hugs. Oh, yeah. That's yep. adorable. The hug during the rescuing, the yeah. warmth and stuff like that. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And and then to see that fun, that openness, and hey, like you just wonder what's going through her mind, mm. like the spider monkey's mind at the time. Mm -hmm. I think that's just really wonderful. Uh, saw this and and wanted to share because I don't really know and I don't know if you have any thoughts to this and or any that come to mind animals that you know we always say oh an elephant has a has a great amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory. memory I have no idea no idea how much or what also I don't know how don't vicious know spider monkeys are in general so I don't know if this is like super unique or, or you know rare for them to be showing this much affection or if they're kind of cute and adorable to begin with because the hug was kind of cool yeah right just that hey. But, I, and you think, they're out in, in the sanctuary, so it's, it's as close to wildlife as, as they're going to be. So uh, really, That's really true. fascinating. And I guess you can find this on TikTok if you want to look at this video mm -hmm. and uh, can can want to see the moments of wow that I think most people watching it give. On the program tomorrow as we exit for today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're back. We're here weekdays. Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV, 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. What is the difference between compounded drugs and regular ones? What do lay people need to know about them? Danielle Johnkind is here, our veterinarian, and will share a lot with us tomorrow. We're also talking reflexology on wellness with Francis Wong and how it differs from a massage and what exactly it is. Yeah, all those conversations, folks. We get into it, and we do weekdays here on the program. Be with us when you can, folks. Fedora's off to you. Good night.
caught up with a friend last week and reminisced on mutual trauma bonding. Okay, we had an experience several years back where we ran into a raccoon in the middle of the day. That's pretty much the punchline. But you know, what happened was uh, we were outdoors training for an obstacle course race. And in the middle of hanging out at a corner around a building where you couldn't necessarily tell what was going to come up towards you because of the way that we were positioned, uh, we started to hear some rustling, some walking, some footsteps, and peeked around that corner of the building and saw a raccoon just ambling by very slowly, casually, and we just screamed. I didn't even know what I was screaming for, to be honest. She was sighted, knew it was a raccoon. I just saw this giant creature that could be anything, definitely not a human being, and joined in with the scream. And it was pretty bad. Like, she described the raccoon later. We assumed that he must be rabid because he's, you know, it's midday. He had no intimidation whatsoever. uh, And it just was just a very slow, deliberate walk. I do remember the walk very vividly. Just passing by us like it was any other day. And uh, anyways, I haven't talked to this friend for close to a decade. So having this really nostalgic moment where we're like, oh my god, do you think about that raccoon? I think about that raccoon all the time. And uh, going through that together was kind of a, a relief, you know? It felt like a bit of healing to think, whew. I haven't talked to you in years, but yeah, we both still think about that trauma. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.